um, I've kind of enjoyed my time to some degree during the season and definitely have more time with the kids than I would normally have and that's been good and um, but you know sometimes they drive you a bit nuts yeah and sometimes you love them to pieces and I can remember even right at the start before the kids were even born probably one of the big things that drove me a little bit nuts or or was a bit of a drama for us was finding the right name for our kids. I don't know about you, but I would suggest the name and go, hey, this is a cool name. And Trudy go, nah, went to school with someone like that and they weren't nice. She'd suggest the name and I go, no, I don't like that name. I know a guy like that and he was a dick. You know, like there's just a whole lot of uh, names that just got uh, eliminated purely because that's my auntie's name or that's someone I knew or this is that person I worked with or whatever. My um, parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea for six years. And while they were in Papua New Guinea for six years, the tradition in Papua New Guinea was that the woman would give birth to the child, the man would be in the hut with her, and then he would leave the hut after the child was born, and the first thing that he saw is what he would name the child after. This was up in the highlands in Papua New Guinea. So if he walked out and he saw a dog sitting, that's literally what they'll call the name of the child, dog sitting. You know, if he walked out there and somebody was bending over, probably literally called the kid's name Bum or something because it's the first thing that he saw. It's crazy, crazy uh, way to name a child. And I'm sure you guys did too with your children have lots of names that you don't like because of experience with people with that name. And it really goes to prove that names are hugely important, that a name is really, really important. Like if someone that should remember your name can't remember your name, it's a bit of a, you know, not too cool a thing for you. I mean, I can remember uh, joining Trinity's extended family and um, for the first two to three years, someone in her extended family called me Greg all the time, including birthday cards and Christmas cards to Greg and Trinity, even though my name was Craig and they were at the wedding and everything. But hey, you know, it's cool. They just obviously have an issue. Um, and then it is also when you get people confuse you for someone else or they think that I'm Bryce, my brother, or they call you somebody else's name. I mean, I know it's a classic thing as a parent, isn't it? That you say every one of your child's name before you get to the right name of the one that you're trying to call. So names are really important and they matter. In fact, there's a whole uh, legal profession and system of people trying to clear their names. People working as lawyers and all that sort of stuff, trying to help people clear their name. Names are so important that people want them to be cleared. Why? Because a name associates itself with stuff. We're very protective about our name because our name actually stands for something and names actually mean something. I mean, I'll give you an example of how important names are. For example, I'm going to mention a couple of names to you and instantly you're going to think particular things. For example, Adolf Hitler. As soon as you hear the name Adolf Hitler, you think immediately of just the atrocities of World War II, all the death camps, all the stuff that happened, just the horrendous things that happened to people, the Nazis and everything. It's just an incredibly awful time that's associated with the name Adolf Hitler. Another example would be Mother Teresa. You automatically think of someone who is loving, caring, sacrificial, laid down her life to help the poor and the needy. It's someone that we admire, 
the minute you hear her name, you admire it because of why? Because the name is associated with what she did and who she was. In Proverbs 22 verse 1 it says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. In other words, a good name is more important than any money you could ever have. It's the most important thing that you could ever have. And this is why the third commandment is about not misusing God's name. The importance of not misusing his name is so important to God. In fact, it puts it this way in Exodus 20 verse 7 in the NLT. It says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. In other words, he's saying, my name is so important to me. Don't misuse it, because if you misuse it, there's going to be punishment associated with it. God's very protective of his name, just as much as you and I be very protective of our names. But the reality is, is that we can misuse God's name at times. And it involves far more than just swearing because you hit your thumb with a hammer. Names have meaning and bring association of ideas and images. Names have power and names have prestige. For example, in brand names, if you hear the name Gucci, automatically you think of classy, expensive, high-class stuff. Amani, the same thing. Nike, the same sort of scenario. You think of shoes, running gear, automatic high quality, same thing. You just think of it straight away. When you think about KFC right now, you get really hungry because we can't have any. So all, all names have associations with them and brand names represent something particular about that brand. The fact that authority and status is in a name and is, is behind a lot of the advertising that we see. And in the Bible, um, names were a serious event because the name represented the person. For example, um, Esau means hairy, and we know that Esau was incredibly hairy because Jacob uh, put on goat's skin and got away with pretending to be Esau by wearing a whole lot of goat's skin covered in hair. So Esau was pretty darn hairy. Jacob means supplanter, or he who grasps the heel. And we know that that's what Jacob did. He supplanted, he manipulated, he deceived, he did all that until he had an encounter with God. And then his name was changed to Israel because your name represents who you are. Samuel, his name means God heard me. Incredible thing is, is that God had been silent for years and years and years. God had not spoken to any prophets or priests until Samuel came along. And then God spoke continuously to Samuel. And every word that Samuel said, the Bible says, never fell to the ground. In other words, he said everything that God told him. And he um, saw all those things come to pass. But Samuel's name means God heard me. Why? Because his mum had prayed for Samuel. Jesus means the Lord saves. The name of Jesus means the Lord saves. I can't think of a better name for Jesus than that. It says it all. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. It means something. It's not just a name to identify someone. It's more to it than that. And in those days, it was more than just identifying a person. It communicated something about the person and what they stood for. 
To use a name was to say that that person was. To use their name identified who they were, what the character they had, what they did, what kind of person they were. And God is no different. His name represents who he is, what he does, and the kind of character that he has. In fact, the name of Jesus is abused in society today, I believe is not so much an attack on God himself, but it's an attack on authority that has flooded into our culture where we have an issue around authority because the name of Jesus is the name that's above all names. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is powerful. His name has authority. And so his name being used and misused out of context is trying to uh, diminish the authority of his name. So why should we respect God's name? What What's the reason for respecting his name? Well, the first reason that we should respect his name is because of his actions, because of what he has done. He deserves our respect because of what he has done, but also for what he continues to do. He is the creator of the universe. He alone keeps and sustains the entire world and you and I and the universe minute by minute, second by second. The Bible clearly states that he holds the whole world in his hand, that everything is sustained and kept together by him. All things move and have their being within him. He is the one who sustains it all. Without him keeping it all together, our body that is made up a whole lot of cells, without God keeping that all together, our cells would separate and we would basically just completely vanish off the face of the planet. Without God, we are nothing, nothing at all. He holds it all together, always has, always does and always will. One day in the book of Job, Job was complaining to God about how bad his life was. Now, I don't know about you, but understanding the story of Job and understanding all that he had lost, his family, everything, and he's sitting there um, with boils all over his body, scraping them off using a broken piece of clay pottery. I'm pretty sure Job had a reason to complain, a reason to tell God about how bad his life was. And as he's telling God how bad his life was and he's wanting answers, he demands that God answers him about the injustice and the unfairness that he was currently suffering. Well, here's God's response to Job. It's in chapter 38, verses 2 to 7. He says this to Job in response to why is all this horrible stuff happening to me? He says, who is this? that questions my wisdom with such arrogant words. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. In other words, you want me to answer questions? You're going to answer my questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And I've always been saying to Job, were you there at the start? Were you part of this whole thing? Did you put this all together? Do you hold it? Do you, con do you contain it? Do you sustain it? Do you have any of that authority or power? No, you weren't there. 
So how, how about you just trust me and stop trying to tell me how life should be because I'm the creator of it. It sounds like a harsh response to Job, but it's about realigning Job's perspective and going, you know what? I trust him. And you know what? Job's response was, you know, when his wife told him to curse God and die, Job's response was, though he slay me, I'll still follow him. Because you understand that God is the one who always keeps everything together. We can respect his name because of what he has done. And we can respect God's name because of his power. I can remember when the kids were young, Seth must have been about four, Madison would have probably been about eight. And to be honest, when Seth was little, not now, but when Seth was little, Madison would bully him from time to time. I think that's just what oldest siblings do. Being the youngest in my family, I understand the pain and suffering that the youngest suffers at the hands of those older siblings. Can I get an amen for that? Thank you, all those younger siblings. You know that God always saves the best for last. But I can remember him running into the lounge once going, Mom, Mom, Madison's hitting me. Madison's hitting me. And I remember Trinity saying to him, you go and tell her that I told her that I'm saying she needs to stop. I remember seeing the big smile on Seth's face of glee as he walks out of the room to go and tell Madison, Mum said you have to stop. And sure enough, Madison stopped. What, what was the glee on Seth's face? Well, the glee on Seth's face is that Seth now was leaving the lounge with power. With power to get Madison to stop, with power to control what she was doing. What was the power that he had? Mum's name, the authority of mum's name. He didn't have any more physical power. He didn't have any more strength to him. He just had mum said. And the power of mum's name was what he carried. How much more power exists in God's name? There is a power in God's name. It's, it's not, a, not in a magical kind of sense, but in what stands behind the name is the one, one who is all-powerful, all-seeing, and all-knowing. It's the power behind the name that makes God's name so powerful. He holds the power over all things, over the laws of nature, over life and death. God's name has incredible power. In fact, David understood this when he faced Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17 verse 45, David says it this way. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. And other words, he says, you're coming at me with all sorts of weaponry and skill sets and a warrior kind of thing. You've been trained since you were younger and you, you're coming at me with all the stuff that you've learned, all the stuff that you have. Guess what? I'm coming at you with one thing and one thing only, the name of the Lord, because I understand the power behind the name of the Lord. How did David defeat Goliath with the name of the Lord? With the name of the Lord, I'm coming at you in the name of of the Lord, the power of the all-knowing, almighty God was behind him. And he knew that his name carried power. 
You know, his name carries power to bring salvation. Acts 2.21 says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord has the power to save everyone, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad you think you are. The name of the Lord has the power to save. If you would call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. In his name, the power of his name, demons flee. In Acts 16 verse 18 it says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul came, became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. Demons flee at the sound of Jesus' name and the power of Jesus' name. Not only can we defeat the enemy, but we can cast out demons. In his name is healing. In Acts 3.16, it says, by faith, in the what? In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given complete healing to him, as you can all see. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power for salvation. Power for see demons flee and power for healing. That is why he has given him the name above every name, the name above cancer, the name above problems, the name above circumstance, even the name above COVID. Under his name, everything will bow its knee. There is power in the name of Jesus. We use his name. There is power because of his character that is in behind it. And that's the next thing we can respect his name because of his character. We worship God, not just because he's powerful, because here's the reality, dictators are powerful, but we don't worship them. We don't worship God because he's powerful. We worship him because God is perfect and holy, because of his character, because of who he is. The things we admire in others are things like being loving, being kind, wisdom, thoughtfulness, all those things, we love that in people. But we have to understand that in God, all of those things are unlimited. You see, when it comes to people, we might at times be loving. We might at times be thoughtful. We might at times be truthful. We might at times be kind. We might at times be holy. But God is always love. God is always truthful. God is always holy. God doesn't do love. God is love. You see, what we admire in people that they do on occasions, God has pouring out of his world because that's who he is. He's healer. He's deliverer. He's the Lord who saves. That's who he is. That's his character. God is free from sin and full of everything that is good and right. So we can honor and respect his name because he is the all-powerful one. He is the one who holds the world together. He's the God who has been faithful in the past and will be faithful in the future and is faithful in the present. You can trust him. You can trust his name because of his character. So how do we honor God's name? What do we do to honor his name? Well, the first thing is, is, is don't swear. Now we know that that's a fairly common thing for us to say. When you hit your hand with the hammer, don't use his name. I mean, we don't use, nobody uses Muhammad's name. Nobody whacks their hand with a hammer and goes, oh, Muhammad. 
or oh Buddha or oh something else. I don't hit my thumb with a hammer and go, oh Trinity, unless it's Trinity that's swinging the hammer. But here's the thing, people do that all the time. Oh, and they say his name. And to me, it's misusing his name because it's trying to reduce the authority and the character of that name. So don't do that. The one that I really want to talk to you about is the next one, which is don't name drop God's name. Don't name drop with him. There are many evils in our world that have been done supposedly in the name of God. Examples, the Crusades, apartheid, the Nazi concentration camps were all supposedly done in the name of God. There have been an amazing amount of horrendous, horrible things in the history of our world that have been done in the name of Christ, so-called. The American Civil War between the North and the South, led by Abraham Lincoln to end slavery of black people. A woman spoke to him one day and said to him, Oh, Mr. President, I feel sure that God is on our side, don't you? I love Abraham Lincoln's response to her because he says to her, Ma'am, I'm more concerned that we should be on God's side. I love that he said that. It's not, is God on our side? It's, are we on God's side? I think that's a mistake I've made in my life. I think it's a mistake that all of us make in our lives. Hey, God, can you get on board with this? Can you get on my side with this? Rather than going, am I on God's side? Am I on the side of God? We can misuse his name by using his name to further our projects or to give a decision that we've made credibility. You know, I, I can remember wanting to wag school one Friday afternoon and I knew that if I just left school that my parents would find out and I'd be in all sorts of trouble. So what I did is I knew that if I had a note from my mum or my dad that it would be okay, that the school wouldn't ring them, that no one would find out and everything would go perfectly fine. So what did I do? Well I forged my mum's signature. Why? Because there's authority in my mum's signature that will allow me to get out of school. The mistake I did make is that I walked on a main road and my dad drove past and saw me. So all my efforts fell to nothing. But the school released me because of my mum's name. I misused her name to justify an action that I shouldn't have been doing. The other thing that I think happens a lot in church life is people use Miss God's name to leave a church. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that leaves a church leaves for the wrong reasons. Sometimes seasons come to an end. Sometimes God moves people on. I always believe that there should be a word from God, that you should have a scripture or a dream or a prophetic word or something that confirms that God wants you to move on. But the amount of people that I know that have come to me over the years and said, hey, God's told us to leave the church. It's not because God's told them to leave. It's because they're offended. And rather than dealing with the issue, we're just going to run away from it. But what we'll do is we'll drop God's name in the conversation. Because if you tell me that God's told you to leave, what can I say about that? Nothing. Because if I say, no, he hasn't, then we're out. now we're in a discussion about whether you hear from God or not. And so here's the thing. Don't use his name to justify actions. If you want to leave because you're upset about something, just be honest about it. Don't 
use God's name to justify our actions. Why? Because God is a God who makes the promises. And we have to make sure and be careful that we don't invent promises that he's never promised. The next thing is that don't misuse his name by cheating God of his honour. We can actually misuse God's name by not mentioning his name at all. You see, we've always got to give God the credit and it requires humility to do that. And what humility looks like is that when you're at the awards ceremony, you take a step back and push God forward so that God can be celebrated, so that God can be honoured. We don't take the credit, we give it to him. Why? Because after all, all that I have, all that you have, has been given to us by God. In fact, it's been loaned to us by God. Because the scriptures clearly teaches us that he owns everything. So everything you have is not yours. He's loaned it to you out of the goodness of his heart. You see, humility is to receive praise and pass it on to God untouched. It's to have somebody tell you how amazing you are and then pass it on to God without putting any of your mark on it. To turn around and say, thank you for your kind comment. I can only do this because of what God's done in my life. It's passing it on, being untouched by you. Paul was the master of this. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says this. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. He'd been praying and asking God to remove a thorn or a problem of some kind from his life. And God said to him, no, I'm not removing it because my grace is all you need. And he says, my power works best in weakness. And so Paul's response to that was, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. In other words, Paul says, I'm happy to talk about all my failings and all my weaknesses so that everybody sees it's not me, but I can only do this because of him. So that God gets all the credit and God gets all the glory. Let's honor him by passing on the honor that is due. And the last thing that I want to say is that we can honor his name by living a consistent life. In other words, don't live an inconsistent life. Make sure your actions match your words. Now, I know that this can be incredibly difficult because sometimes we promise people stuff not knowing what circumstances are ahead of us. And sometimes the circumstances change and our best intention is to do what we said, but then something happens and we're unable to follow through on what we said. Or we promise something without thinking through what it requires. The problem is, and the reason why I say this, is because there are so many people out there that have had encounters with religious people that have promised them something and then failed to deliver, failed to follow through on what they've promised. People out there are sick of people saying one thing and then seeing them do something else. To say that they're a Christ follower, but then their actions be anything but Christ following. You see, the early church became known as Christians because outsiders saw how central Christ was to what these people said and did. In other words, people outside of the church, 
the non-Christians, the world, identified them as Christians because what they said and what they did were exactly what Christ said and did. Their, their actions matched not only their words, but matched the words of Christ. And so the world decided that Christian was a good way of describing them. It was actually a mocking word by then, because Christian actually means little Christ. And I've always been saying, oh, look at all the little Christ running around. The thing is, is that might have been a mocking word to them, but for Christians, that should be something that, uh, a name that we wear, because what it's meaning is that we are doing and saying what Christ would do and say. It, it says that we are a reflection of who he is. It's saying that we are little Christ. That's why I struggle so often with people going around telling people that they're Christians when their life is anything but Christian. You know, Craig Rochelle puts it this way, that there's a whole lot of Christian atheists out there. What is a Christian atheist? It's someone who believes in God but lives like he doesn't exist. Christians are people that are little Christ. In other words, their life and their words and everything they do matches and mirrors Christ. And I know we're all on a journey and none of us are perfect, but friend, if we want to honor his name, we've got to try and do this as much as we possibly can. Followers in the early church bore his name. And you know what? We still do today. In Titus 1.16, it says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. You know, what he's saying here is that you can say that you're a follower of Christ, but if the way you live isn't following Christ, then you're actually denying him. I want to encourage you. I know, I know, I've made mistakes. I make mistakes all the time, where sometimes my actions don't match my words. Sometimes it's because I have really, really good intentions, but I haven't thought it through properly, or circumstances might change. But then other times I know that I'm not living to the standard of what I should be. I wanna encourage you, let's honor his name by not living an inconsistent life, but a consistent life. We need to ask ourselves, is there a gap between my beliefs and my actions? Is there a gap between what I believe and how I live? And if so, why don't you take time out this week to talk to the Holy Spirit about it and say, hey, look, where are these gaps in my world? And can you help me fill those gaps? Because I want to be known as a Christian, a little Christ. And here's the cool thing that happens when we begin to honor his name, then he starts to honor us back. When we begin to honor his name, God honors us back. In fact, the more we call upon his name, the more he calls upon our names. When we call out to him, he calls back. It's no different when you call out to your kids and they call back. I want to tell you, when, the more we call on his name, the more he calls on our name. The more we honor him, the more he honors us. You can never outgive God and you can never outlove him because he is all loving, all powerful, and his name carries his character. I want to encourage you as you go about 
this time as you go about the rest of your life that you understand that, man, there is something about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus brings salvation. The name of Jesus casts out demons. The name of Jesus brings healing. The name of Jesus restores. The name of Jesus transforms. The name of Jesus does everything. It's a powerful thing in the name of Jesus. Why? Because of what he has done, for what, because what he is doing and what he is going to do, because of his character, the name of Jesus holds weight. And I want to encourage you, let's start using it in the right way. Let's not misuse his name, but let's use it in the right way. Because when we use his name in the right way, salvation comes to our family, healing comes to our bodies. And Community is transformed because it's the name that's above every other name and at his name every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the season that we're currently in, the name of the Lord is our strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. The name of the Lord is powerful. The name of the Lord is security. It's love, it's peace, it's grace, it's mercy. Throw yourself into the name of Christ over this time. Let's start using his name.